Reading today is from the book of John, chapter 21, verse 15 to 25. When they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you truly love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said, you know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you truly love me? He answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my sheep. I tell you the truth. When you were younger, you dressed yourself and you went where you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. Then he said to him, follow me. Peter turned and saw that the disciple whom Jesus loved was following them. This was the one who had leaned back against Jesus at the supper and had said, Lord, who is going to betray you? When Peter saw him, he asked, Lord, what about him? And Jesus answered, if I want him to remain alive until I return, what is that to you? You must follow me. Because of this, the rumor spread among the brothers that this disciple would not die. But Jesus did not say that he would not die. He only said, if I want him to remain alive until I return, what is that to you? This is the disciple who testifies to these things and who wrote them down. We know that his testimony is true. Jesus did many other things as well. If every one of them were written down, I suppose that even the whole world would not have room for the books that would be written. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you, Miriam. And a very good morning uh, to all of you. Lovely to see you here today. Uh, if, if I caught a friend of yours after this service, whether I rung them up later on and said, so how's so-and-so with giving second chances? I wonder what your friend or your family member would say about you. Are you free and willing to give away second chances? Uh, do they have to be wrenched from you? Uh, are you someone who's been uh, made fun of, or in a sense you've had second chances uh, taken from you, and the person's mucked you around, so therefore you've got a hard and a difficult heart? We're going to look at this passage and see how Jesus encounters Peter and then reinstates him, asking the question, well, what is God like when it comes to second chances. I want to see both how Jesus deals with Peter, but also how we can learn uh, to forgive and to enable others. Uh, you all know the story thus far. You know how Peter failed. Uh, you know how Jesus uh, came back from the dead. Uh, last week, we were looking at that meal on the beach. Uh, today, we come to what in our family we would call the Morks moment. That is the awkward moment that everybody has been waiting for. And it's the moment when Jesus and Peter, as far as we can see, talk person to person for the first time. And you've had a conversation like this when you know that something really bad and difficult has happened 
and nobody has yet talked about it. And it's there, it's just, it's hanging, it's palpable, it's visceral. And so it must have been uh, for Simon. You can imagine that during the meal with the fish, he's kind of just joining in the banter and hoping that Jesus isn't really gonna look at him. And Jesus takes him aside and asks that devastating question, Simon, do you love me more than these? And goes on to ask that question three times. Now, I don't think, I think in hindsight, we can see that those three questions, do you love me more than these, in a sense gave Simon the chance to say three times, to make up for the three denials. And we can see that with hindsight. I don't think at the time that's what Simon was thinking. We can sense his agony in this. Because in replying to that question, he is having to own two things simultaneously. Firstly, he's having to own that he does love Jesus, but he let him down unbearably. But secondly, he's also being invited to realize that that love is still true. It's still real. He still loves Jesus massively, but is crippled by this sense that he has gone so wrong and he has betrayed Jesus so thoroughly. It's fascinating to me that Jesus asks that question at three times. I think he gives Simon the chance to answer fully. You can, maybe this, the first time, it was a bit just, it just tripped off his tongue. Yes, of course I love you. You know this. That's the second time and the third time rolled around. So he had the chance to stare deep into his soul and to see all that he had done, but to see also that Jesus was offering him the chance to be forgiven and to start again. Must have been such a mixture of awkwardness and relief as that conversation sort of continued. It's really interesting, isn't it, how we feel as Christian people about God and forgiveness. Some of us, I think, feel that if we were in Simon's situation, we would never, ever dare to ask for forgiveness. Because we would have looked back at what we've done, we've, we would have said, I have unbelievably and unforgivably done something and there's no way that I have the right to come before God and to say to him, please forgive me and please put this right. We kind of have a working assumption that God is good on day-to-day -day slips of the tongue, but when it comes to really big, catastrophic failure, he's no good. And that to appear before him is just to, to invite ourselves to being roasted because we picture God as angry and unyielding. And yet there are some of us who are so chummy with God that we think it is our divine right to have a quick path through to forgiveness. And so it's a forgiveness that we demand. It's a forgiveness that we think is ours by right. It's a forgiveness that we treat as cheap 
it's there to be taken. Of course God will forgive me. Somewhere in between those two lies Simon Peter and lies us as we should be. Easy to go to God like an indulgent grandparent uh, thinking, if I just say the right words, God is going to forgive me. Easy to hide from God uh, because we sense that in his anger and our failure, there is no way through. Harder to sit where Simon sat, squirming and awkward and uncomfortable. But hearing the words of Jesus, uh, which are to reaffirm that love, and in reaffirming that love, uh, to reaffirm that we are appalled by what we've done, and that we know the only way out and the only way through is to be uh, forgiven. Some of us seek cheap grace. Some of us are in such fear of God that we would never actually dare to ask his forgiveness. And so I would just encourage you not to make either of those mistakes. And that will call for an honest understanding of our own failure as we're confronted by it neither hiding it nor magnifying it. It will uh, require of us that realization that our sin and our failure does matter. It is what drove Jesus to the cross. It's what kept him on the cross. And so therefore, when we come in humility and love, uh, we hear those beautiful words that he so often uh, said to people, your sins are forgiven. But of course, the most beautiful thing about this passage that the NIV picks up so well is that it doesn't stop there. Jesus doesn't leave Peter floating in a sea of goodwill. And I think almost, if I was Peter, I might have wanted to have been left just there, floating in a sea of goodwill. Oh, that's great, I'm forgiven, it's all cool, I can forget it, I can move on. Unbelievably, Jesus then reinstates him. He puts him back on the bicycle or on the horse, whatever metaphor we want to choose, and says, Simon, I chose you right at the beginning, I gave you the name Peter, and my job is still for you to go and to build the church. Uh, using that fantastic metaphor, feed my lambs. And often, uh, as uh, forgiven people, uh, we can believe that somehow mucking up disbars us uh, from service. Or even worse, mucking up sort of means uh, that actually it's fine. We can just carry on. God doesn't really need little me. Here in this beautiful passage, uh, we see that Jesus doesn't only offer Simon uh, the, the, the beautiful gift of forgiveness, but he also reinstates him, and he says, come on, Simon, you are still my disciple. Those first words that Simon heard from Jesus were, follow me. The last words that he hears, as far as we know in John's Gospel, are, follow me. So much has happened, and yet nothing has changed. Still the invitation, Simon, follow me and then building on that invitation, as you follow me, call others to follow me and serve them. And 
right at the end of his life when he was writing uh, in 1 Peter. Uh, Simon so beautifully gets this. Right at the end of that book, he is still encouraging Christians uh, to serve Jesus and to serve uh, their fellow uh, sisters and brothers. Uh, all those years later, whatever it was, 20, 25, 30 years later. I pray for you, sisters and brothers, that you will know God's second and third and fourth choices, chances, that you won't treat them as cheap, that you won't hide in fear. I pray that when you fail, that Jesus comes to you and in offering love and forgiveness also teaches you how you can use all of that failure in his service. And I pray that in the situations that you find yourself, where second and third and fourth chances are asked of you, that you have the wisdom and the love of Jesus.